I think the Lord has some good things to say to us. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate the word that Sean brought to us the last couple of weeks, and I think that we have something to build upon with that. So um, one thing that I think the Lord has uh, clearly been saying to us, and we've heard it, we've heard it through, through the theme that the Lord uh, gave us with Sean, and that is the Holy Spirit is working, right? The Holy Spirit is working, amen? The Holy Spirit is working. I want to go work with the Holy Spirit. Let's, 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 let's say that again, because I think we need a little more excitement on this. The Holy Spirit is working. I want to work with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I, wanna, I can't say this enough, church, but if we want to see the Lord move in our midst, we are never going to do it unless we rely on the... We're never going to see it done unless we rely on the Holy Spirit. God does not move in places where He is not freely welcomed. Uh, sometimes he intrudes. We've seen that in history. There are times when people weren't expecting it, and then the, just the, like the glory cloud descended and blew everything up. That's really cool when that happens. But, but most of the time when we see revival and renewal in history, it's because the church got serious. And I think that God loves his people, and he, he responds to our faith. The crazy thing is he also grants us our faith. It's a gift of grace, but... but but, but when he sees us pursuing him and, and, and desiring him, I think that God loves us. And he looks upon us and he says, man, I just love it when my kids run hard after me. And then he just loves to touch his children and say, here you go. Have a little more of me. Have a little more of my presence. Remember, Jesus told us it is the Father's good pleasure to give us his Holy Spirit. It's, one of the, it's probably the Father's favorite gift to give is, is his presence to his children. Today we are beginning a, a, a series that is a continuation of what we've been doing in Galatians. We're starting chapter 5, and the, the title of this next cluster of sermons is Living Free. We've talked a lot about the freedom that we have in Christ, haven't we? But now we want to talk a little practical application. How do we actually get there? So we're Paul's still going to dig in a little bit to the practical elements because he knows how prone we are to forget. I love how many times the apostle repeats himself. You know why he does that? Because the Holy Spirit knows we're forgetful. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows we're forgetful. So like that's why it, you know, Paul says the same thing three or four times throughout a letter because he wants to emphasize, the Spirit is trying to emphasize something for us. So even this very first verse in chapter 5, we see the Spirit emphasizing for us something that we've just spent two chapters looking at. And that is Galatians 5.1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We've, we've kind of had that said multiple times in different ways. And the apostle comes again and reminds us, okay, okay, hold on, guys. For freedom, Christ has set you free. What does he mean by that? He means that Christ has set you free so that you can be free, so that you can live free. That's why this next cluster of sermons is called Living Free, because we have been called to live free. We have been set free to live free. 
It's the will of God for you to embrace the freedom that you have in Christ and now to live a new life because of it with the help of the Holy Spirit who God has sent to walk with you. You know, one of the reasons God has sent the Spirit to walk with us is so that we can become the fullness of Christ. Scripture tells us that, Christ, that the Spirit comes to lead us into all truth. He, call, he, he comes to lead us into the ways of Jesus. Not just knowing them, but actually living according to them. And it's His power that is the wind behind our sails. A couple of weeks ago, I learned a lesson about sails because I went sailing with Pastor Dwight and Tim McCoy and we almost sunk, but it was okay. We did almost sink, didn't we, didn't we Pastor Dwight? Uh, it was close, <laughs> but thank God it was only like Hefner. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, like we can all maybe make it to the shore. I'm a pretty good swimmer, so I felt decent about it. Um, but, uh, but, but there was a time in that experience where I thought, I may have my swimming skills tested here. Uh, but thanks to the savvy of an experienced sailor and, and Pastor Dwight, who was standing out on the mainstays, I'm not sure who was Gilgan or who was Skipper between Dwight and Tim, but it was working out. And thankfully, our little tour didn't turn into being marooned on an island, like maybe like the lighthouse thing. I don't know. Who knows what we have been marooned on. But we made it off Lake Hefner. But I learned something about sailing when you're sailing, you've got to make sure that you are positioned properly in order to receive the wind if you want to go the direction that you want to go. And I think that the Lord is saying the same thing to our church. Which direction are our sails pointed in? Have we taken the time to test the wind and see where it is the Spirit is blowing so that we're prepared to receive the wind and go where He's called us to go? Because that's what the life of faith is all about. It's about being open and receptive to the, where the Spirit is taking us and going with Him. Many of you have probably heard this story by now of, of a man named Bontham Jean. Or you may say Bontham Jean if you're from Oklahoma, <laughs> because that's how we talk. Um, but if you haven't heard this story, you know, you probably haven't been watching much of the news, but he was a man who was murdered in his own home uh, by an off-duty police officer. It's a whole mess. I'm not going to go into the story, but it was, it's a terrible thing. He was, but he was killed. This is a little over a year ago. And, um, and, and it, you know, this could have been a fairly routine trial. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the woman who who perpetrated this act. She was sentenced to jail. I mean, she was convicted of murder. All that happened. So that's pretty routine, but it's what happened after that made this not so routine. And so for those who haven't heard or maybe haven't had a chance to, to listen to the, the recordings of this yet, I just want to read to you what happened. This, this, this man who was killed, his younger brother, his name is Brant, this is what he had to say to the woman who killed his brother in the closing comments of the trial. He said, I love you just like anyone else. He spoke those words to his brother's killer. He said, I love you just like anyone else. And then he proceeded to tell her, I forgive you for killing my brother. And then he followed it up with the thing that broke that courtroom. 
He said, I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what, bon- what, what, what Botham would want, to, uh, want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. And I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that my brother would want you to do. That's what he said to this woman. See, we wake up every morning. We don't know what life's going to hold. We don't know what direction the Spirit might blow. But that man, Brant, was prepared that day to allow the Spirit of God to use him to break through to somebody's heart who desperately needed to hear the gospel. You see, not very many, and this is, this is blowing people's minds right now, by the way. If you look this up, if you, I mean, people don't get this. You have a whole group on one side who, who's saying, you know, that, that's crazy. He, he doesn't have to forgive her. You know, the, the penalty, you know, she, should, she deserves what she got. And justice certainly calls for a penalty when blood is shed. Okay, for sure. With Brant, we're not looking at a man who's guided by the old law of sin and death anymore. We're looking at a man who's now guided by the law of grace in Jesus Christ. And he was able to display that. And what, what came out of that display, yo, I, you, don't, you don't see this every day, but the judge, was a, she's a Christian, and the judge actually comes down off the stand, hands this lady her Bible, takes her to John 3.16, and the judge proclaimed the gospel to this woman whom she had just given a verdict to. And again, people's minds are blown. Freedom from religion, foundation, all that stuff. Their minds are exploding. They can't handle this. But what happened in the courtroom that day was grace was extended because somebody who was a person of God sensed the wind of the Spirit blowing, turned his sails in the right direction, caught what the Spirit was doing, and went with the Spirit in faith. And in that moment, the Lord worked. Now, I don't know for sure if this woman's received Christ. I don't know if she didn't. I don't know what's going on because how you couldn't in that moment, but the Lord is at work. And now this witness is being told all over the world as well because of one man's faithfulness in the midst of his brother dying. Now, I'm sharing this with you because I want us to have an example, a fresh example in our minds. Because, listen, what gives a person the ability to do something like that? If someone were to murder your sibling or your husband or wife, how would you feel about that? The natural thing to do would be to hate them, would be to want the worst for them. But in this situation, we see a man who's been wrecked by the gospel of Jesus stand up and say, listen, you killed my brother, but I want the best for you. Because you need to know that God still cares about you, and God wants the best for you. The only thing that can do that in somebody's life is the transforming power of the gospel. Or what the Apostle Paul in this chapter calls faith working through love. And in fact, that would be the main idea of this section of scriptures that we're about to tackle. And that is, the only thing that matters is faith working through love. And that's what we're going to pursue this morning. Let's read the rest of these verses together. We're going to start with verse 1 again because I can't get enough of that one. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. 
You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Let's pray. Father, we want to we ask that you would work a miracle in our hearts this morning. Because the reality is, uh, no matter how clearly this, this text is drawn out, no matter how clearly I could teach this this morning, it's, it won't do anything for the kingdom unless you come and invade our hearts. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would invade us this morning. We ask that you would sweep through this room and blow into us a fresh wind of your presence through the word of God. And we know that it is your pleasure to do this work because you come to reveal Christ to us. So Lord, reveal Christ to us. And then Lord, we ask that you would reveal Christ through us to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. I want to first point out that we are experientially free in Christ. We are experientially free in Christ. And I think that's what Paul is trying to tell us here. That, that in verse 1, he, he tells us, listen, you experience the freedom of Jesus. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And then he says, stand firm then and do not submit again to, a yoke, to the yoke of slavery. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Christ has set you free so that you can actually live free, so you can experience the freedom of God in your life. God doesn't want you to be a Christian who, who just walks around wallowing in your old sinful patterns, or even in your current ones, by the way. Sometimes I think we get it in our heads that, well, you know what, I'm saved, but man, I, I'm still a mess, and I just got to beat myself into submission. And that is not what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures say, that you embrace Jesus right where you are and let him keep chipping away at your old life. But you, to the best of your ability, where you are now, you live free. And he says, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So first he reminds us that we are actually, we've actually been given full rights as citizens of the kingdom of God. We're set free. Like that's done. The chains are off. You're no longer chained up to sin and death. Now, you may still find yourself struggling with sin, but you're not chained to it anymore. You could actually walk away at any time because you've been set free. We just haven't fully learned to train our minds to walk in the ways of our freedom yet. And that's part of why Paul writes in Romans that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to actually start believing what is true of us and that's we, that we are new in Christ. We have to embrace our identity in Christ. So maybe we should do a little exercise in this today. Church, do you believe that you are free? So let's say this together. I am free. Can everyone repeat that? I am free. Let's embrace our freedom in Christ. Let's say it again, church. I am free. I think we have to do it one more time because three is a thing in the Bible. Ready? I am free. And you are if you're in Christ. It's not a mere technicality. It's a reality for you. You are free. Whether or not you find yourself naturally living that way, you may find yourself really like hung up somewhere and like, man, I got this old life still hanging on a little bit. Maybe 
But understand that Christ is washing that away from you. And that's why we continue to press onward into him. We have been given full rights as citizens of the kingdom. We are not second-class citizens. We are citizens. And we are no longer slaves, but we are freed people in Christ. So, Pastor D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, some of you guys might be familiar with him. He, he was a British pastor, spent a lot of years in the ministry, really well-respected pastor in Britain. Also just a great man of God. And, uh, and, and he was a man who walked in the Spirit. If you ever want to read some good stuff, go grab some D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. You, you will be challenged and potentially wrecked with the gospel. And that's my favorite kind of thing. <laughs> I love it when I get wrecked. Okay, but anyway, um, but one of the things that, that, one of the examples Pastor Lloyd-Jones used when preaching this passage, he said, imagine that you were a slave in the American South before the Emancipation Proclamation. And then the Emancipation Proclamation comes down. You are free. And in your mind, you know you're free. But let's say you go to town and you see one of your former taskmasters and they start to yell at you. What's going to be your response? Most likely, you're going to cower down. You're going to sort of take the position of the slave again, even though you're free. Now, why is that? It's because it takes... Sometimes it takes a really long time for us to learn that we are actually something new and we're not what we used to be. And so sometimes the f when, when, when the, the enemy comes creeping in and the flesh is there and we're still battling through our sin nature and the enemy, by the way, he really knows how to mess with you. You ever notice that? He knows the stuff that hangs you up. He knows the areas of temptation in your life that you're most prone to fail and fall back into sin. He knows that. So he presses into those things. And he knows you're weak in those areas. And so, uh, so sometimes it feels like we're battling against ourselves and we're battling against the devil to try and, and overcome these things. And it's a struggle. So how do we actually overcome? Because Paul here says, okay, stand firm. Well, you know, you may be like, hey, great, Paul. It's easier said than done. You know, it's easier said than done. It's great for an apostle like you who's like the super Christian. Man, but Paul wasn't a super Christian. Paul talks about his own struggles. Paul says, hey, I haven't, I haven't attained it yet. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Philippians 3 because I love how Paul lays out. He's like, hey, I haven't even attained to the fullness of what God has called me to yet. And I'm like, man, if here's a guy writing scripture admitting I still struggle. Makes me feel a little better about myself, you know. Um, knowing that I'm still struggling, you're still struggling, none of us have arrived. If you hear a pastor or a preacher trying to tell you that they've arrived, that's somebody you might want to not listen to because they're lying to you. Not even the Apostle Paul said that he had arrived yet. So let's not play games and pretend like, you know, some of us here have just, we've, we, we have just gone on to glory and for some reason we're still in our bodies. It doesn't work that way. It's a battle. It's tooth and nail. It's fighting tooth and nail to, to be holy. We, we have to keep moving forward in Christ. So Paul, again, he says that we are to submit not, right? Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Stand firm, by the way, is a military term. And this military term in those days, it, it was the idea of holding the line. 
right? Hold the line. Do not let the enemy break through. Paul says, stand firm. Hold your position, Christian, and do not allow the enemy to overwhelm you again or your sin nature or whatever it is to overwhelm you again and take you back there. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul has referred to the law multiple times throughout Galatians as a yoke. And so let's just think a little bit about what a yoke is. A yoke was intended to be a guide in those days. A guide particularly for farming animals, oxen, maybe donkeys. You would yoke them together, two of them, so they could do more work. And then there was a, there was a, a guide attached, like a rope or something, that they could guide these animals around where they needed to be. And so Paul reminds us that, hey, the law, it, it, it was a yoke. It, it kept us tethered together. And, and for, in its time, its job was to keep us from walking too far away from the path of God. But then every time we stepped out of line, we were, it served to remind us that we're dead in our sins and trespasses. So we were kept in slavery under it because we were called to, to strive towards it, but we could never get there no matter how hard we tried. So it just kept us. It just kept us bogged down. But our yoke has been shattered by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and we have now been set up as free. Now, it, it, it's possible that even though we are free, that, that e there, there might be a little fragility to our freedom. You, you understand what I mean? Like, like maybe from time to time, even though we know we're free, we step out of that. And it's possible for a citizen of, of the kingdom to act as if he or she were not a citizen of the kingdom. So when we step out back into the old way of, of slavery to sin and death, we begin to act not as citizens of the kingdom, but once again as citizens of this world. And we're out of line from who we truly are. I think the Spirit wants to work with us so that we find ourselves living more often than not as if we actually and truly are citizens of the kingdom. So Paul reminds us that we are no longer yoked to the old way of slavery anymore, but we are now free to live with the Spirit through the work of Jesus Christ. You understand that if your yoke to sin and death to the law is broken, that means you're actually free to live now. But that doesn't mean we go running around doing whatever we want. That is actually not the kind of freedom that is talked about here. This is not the kind of freedom that, said, that, that, that our flesh just gets to go crazy. And I just get to do whatever I want. And, and it's, it's all good because God's going to forgive me. Man, your heart's not in the right place if that's where you're at. No, this is the freedom to live under the loving guidance of God. Look, he knows what's best for us. There was a time before we took the fruit in the garden that we knew that God knew what was best for us. And our hearts trended towards God. But now, as we've taken the fruit and we've now entered into a phase of rebellion against God, our hearts trend away from Him. And we've got to be brought back. 
But with the Spirit, we're free to live as Adam and Eve did in the garden before they sinned. We're free to live with that kind of a free relationship with God, walking with Him as they walked with Him in the garden. Everywhere we go, the Spirit is with us. He guides us. He directs us. So then God calls us to live in light of the freedom that we have and not in light of the old way in which we sought to justify ourselves through good works. But now, now we're walking in light of the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ and the transformative work of the Spirit in our hearts. Uh, Martin Luther wrote that Satan hates the light of the gospel. When it begins to shine a little, he fights against it with all of his might. So what does that mean? That means the devil is constantly trying to pull you back into the old way. Because he hates your freedom. He sees the freedom that you have in Christ and he despises it. It's everything that he fought to destroy in the garden. It's everything he fought to destroy through the crucifixion of Jesus. And yet, God brought victory through it. And God is continuously bringing victory out of Satan's attempts to destroy him. Because Satan can't help but to do the sovereign will of God even though he is trying to oppose it. God is God. He's the devil's God too. You know, the devil's not like a second God. He's under God, just like we are. And God destroys all of Satan's works. But the crazy thing is God destroys the devil's works through the devil's own plans devil thinks he's making headway and all of a sudden he finds out he was actually doing the will of the Father and didn't realize it. How cool is God? So awesome. Do you know that God even uses our brokenness to bring about his will in our lives? And he, listen, he's pointed you in a direction and he's going to finish his work. Doesn't Scripture say that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it? God never looked at you and said to you, okay, now that I've saved you, it's your job to finish the work. Didn't we hear that a couple chapters ago? When Paul wrote to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians! Have you begun by the Spirit or are you now going to finish by the flesh? Of course not! Of course we're not going to finish by the flesh. That's not what he called us to. He called us to start by the Spirit, and then he is going to finish us by the Spirit. He will finish the work that he started in us. Now, can I ask you a question? Oh, I'm going to do it anyway. Do you believe that God is going to finish what he started in you? Okay, how many of you in the past week had a moment where it looked like the work of God in your heart was failing? Let's just be real. I, I, I had at least a few. I mean, guys, I was assessing people last week. You want to talk about a place where the carnal mind can come out, okay? I spent the whole week assessing people, and I'm constantly having to come back to the Word and to the Spirit and say, God, help me to think about this the way you would think about it. Help me not to trust in my own abilities, but to trust in, your, in you. Guide us to the right answers. Constantly. So, so maybe we can be a little more honest. How many of you have had a struggle this past week that maybe looked like the will of God was failing in your life? Right? Think about it. It happens frequently in us. Because we, it's not up to us to finish the work. It's up to the Holy Spirit to finish the work in us. And you know what? It's our job to go with the Spirit where He's taking us. 
And I find a lot of comfort in that personally. Because if it's not up to me, then I know the work's going to be finished. If it's up to God, I know the work's going to be finished. That's why we trust in Him. I don't have the ability to keep myself saved. Right? Neither do you. If the Spirit removed His presence from us for even a moment, we would fall away from Him. So that was the first point. I'm going to try to get... The next two won't take as long, I promise. That's the big setup. Okay. Um, Here's the second thing. We are... Not only are we experientially free in Christ, we are legally free in Christ. This is really important. Listen. This is verse 2. Paul says, Listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you at all. And I testify again to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be declared righteous by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. There's a couple things we need to pull out of this. One is that we need to understand that circumcision in this context refers to any way in which we would seek righteousness by works rather than through Christ. So you can put whatever your pet sin, your, your pet sin whether it's pride or all the things that, that you kind of use to you know, self-control, you know, well, you pride, you know, different things that you may use to try to, try to uh, earn for yourself. And this is anything that you were, again, anything that you were trying to earn merit through. This is a quote from Pastor Tim Keller. He says, you can't add to Christ without subtracting Christ. He is either all the value for us or he is without value to us. We can't have it both ways. It's not Jesus plus something. I had I, I, one of my favorite um, quotes that I've ever used and always used, and I don't know who said it originally, but it said Jesus plus something equals nothing. We don't get to add anything to Christ by our own righteousness. It doesn't work that way. It's the righteousness of Christ that's been gifted to us through repentance by the work of the Spirit in our lives. He calls us to repent and believe the gospel, to turn our hearts to Christ, to let go of our old life of sin and death, essentially to let go of our nets and follow Jesus. And then we go with him. So we're legally free. And Paul reminds us that, that if, if we seek righteousness through our own efforts rather than in Christ, we are obligated to keep the whole law flawlessly. So if Christ has broken the law on us by his own death, burial, and resurrection, he took the penalty for sin and death for us, then we're set free because Christ, he perfectly obeyed the law in our place. He took the, pen, the penalty we earned through our breaking the law on himself. And because he paid the price, now we are free. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Right? It's pretty clear teaching of all of Scripture. So, the problem is when we find ourselves going back to the law rather than trusting in Christ, we really find ourselves getting tangled up again 
And another quote from Martin Luther, just because, why not? Um, the more you endeavor to perform the law, the more you will be tangled up in the yoke of the law. If we're using good works to try and lift ourselves up, we're missing it. And the scriptures, by the way, don't tell us that we're not to pursue good works. Good works aren't bad. It's good works with the heart of trying to earn something that then becomes sin for us. Paul also writes in Romans 14.23 that anything done without faith is sin. So if we, even if we do good things apart from faith in Christ, we're actually sinning in those things. If we choose to trust in our own works as a way of gaining merit before God, we have actually left the grace system altogether under Christ, and we've returned again to the work system, which kept us in slavery. In other words, we're putting our chains back on. Chains to sin and death. But why would we want to do that when we've been set free by the gospel and set straight with God, and we're on a new path with the Spirit to walk in Jesus? So let's look at these last two verses, verses 5 and 6. I love these. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this over the past few days, and it's so good. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. It's made pretty clear to us here, that it is through the Spirit that we are able to hold the line of our faith as Paul charges us to do. So, so in the beginning, Paul says, hold the line, stand firm. And you may sit there and say, boy, I've been trying for a long time, but I'm really struggling. How do I actually do this? Well, the answer is here. You do it by the Spirit. We hold the line by the Spirit. Do we have a part in it? Absolutely we do. We have a part in it, but it, we have to have the power of the Spirit. We have to be empowered in order to work with the Spirit on our sanctification, right? We, we have to have the power of the Spirit in order to work with the Spirit. We can't do it on our own. And He is forming something in you and me and, and all of us and, and others in this community. There are people in this city. Do we realize there are people in this city who, who God is after and they don't even know it yet? And perhaps the Lord has appointed for some of us to be the encounter that helps them walk across the line from unbelief to faith. But if we're going to be aware of the things that God is doing, we've got to be attuned to how God is working first in us before he can work through us. We've got to go with the Spirit. Like, you've got to go with the Spirit into your own heart. When was the last time you let God do a real gut check in your own heart? Like, dig deep and bring out the junk. You ever had to clean hair out of a bathroom sink drain? Oh, it's so gross. Man, some of us need God to reach down to our hearts with the claws and yank all the matted, nasty hair right out of our hearts. Hopefully there's not really hair in there. That, that'd be weird. But I mean, like, metaphorically, you know? We need God to clean us out so that we can have a free-flowing with the Holy Spirit once again. Man, we've spent a lot of time striving in our own flesh, and we've just quenched the Spirit in that. And we gotta, we got to go back to the free-flowing ways of the Spirit with Jesus that He's called us to. 
I think he wants to do a work of cleaning people's hearts so that we're free to walk in him again. Anybody else feel the Lord doing that? I think, you know what, I know he wants to do that because Scripture declares to us that he wants to do that kind of work in our hearts. He loves to renew our spirit. He loves to get us in a place where we can walk with him. That's what he wants for us. The hope of righteousness is not that we will somehow climb our way to perfection, but that Christ is going to finish the work he began, as we mentioned earlier. I'm going to say this because this is something that we need to hear. It's important. We will be like Christ. Okay, Christian, you need to hear this this morning. You will be like Christ. If you've walked with Jesus by faith, you repented and believed the gospel, the Spirit is in you. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You, Christian, will be like Christ. Now, you may be looking at your life right now and thinking, I don't know how it's going to happen. But let me tell you that, the, that, that God is faithful. God is faithful to carry out every word that he has spoken. Not a single promise of God has ever failed. The Apostle Paul tells us in, in the letter to the Corinthians that every promise of God is a yes in Jesus Christ. So has God told you that he's going to bring you through? That you're going to be like Jesus? Yes. Jesus told us that we are going to receive a new body just like he received a new body. And that there's going to be a day that's going to come when we're going to stand before the Father and we are going to be precious and holy and pure just like Jesus. Listen, he came to save us, to raise us up to his position so that we are called brothers and sisters. You know why we call each other brother and sister in the church? Because according to Scripture, we are brothers and sisters of the Son of God, Jesus. And that's a reality. And He is going to finish the work that He started in you. You will be like Christ. The day will come. And I pray, because it's God's will, that it will be ever increasingly true of every single one of us, the closer we get to glory, that there'll be more glory dripping off of us. Because we're going to be more like Jesus. Every day it should be true. And again, we don't muster it up in our own strength. We rely on the Spirit. We go with Him and we, we walk with Him and He does it to us. But understand that it won't happen if we're not intentional about it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens when we're intentional and we walk with Him. And I can't explain it. It's a miracle. But He does some work in our hearts where we become more like Christ when we walk with Him. I don't understand how spiritual disciplines work. But let me tell you, church, I've watched God reshape my heart in spiritual disciplines. I don't understand how reading the Bible works. It seems silly, right? In fact, sometimes my flesh tells me, hey, Nick, that's silly. Don't pick up the Bible. Just reading a, reading a book, that's not going to change you. No, man, you, you got to go, like, get yourself together. I'm just being honest. That's what my flesh speaks to my heart. And do you know what I've learned to do? The Spirit has taught me over the years to tell my flesh to shut up and to pick up my Bible and let the Spirit work. And He does it every single day. I pick up the Bible. The Spirit of God transforms my heart. I've watched Him do it over the years. 
I was a tool. I was a, I was a jerk. I was not the person that I am today. Now, now some of you may still think, hey, maybe he still is a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's true. But let me tell you, I am not the same person today I was back then, and I attribute every bit of it to the Holy Spirit. I have nothing to bring to the table that is worth anything that I have mustered up myself. And the same is true for any of us who wants to walk in the ways of God. We will not add or subtract anything from our final outcome if we are in Christ. What ultimately matters is whether or not we are found in Christ. So I think we need to ask the question this morning. Have you been found in Christ? And then the second question, if you haven't been found in Christ, or if you have been found in Christ, are you walking like you were found in Christ? I think there are a lot of questions for for us to answer this morning. But I want to make sure we remember this morning that we work out of our faith in Christ. We work out of our faith in Christ. And not out of a striving to earn our way to Christ. We get out of the old boat and step out into the water because we trust Jesus. When Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water, I don't think there was anything about Peter that was looking at himself and saying, Hey, Pete, you ready to walk on water? You prepared for this? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure the last time Peter stepped out of a boat, he went in. You know, he, like, he went into the water. But, but that one time when Jesus said, Come, he stepped out, he walked on water. Okay, and yeah, some people would be like, Well, you know, he, he, he looked away and started to sink. But he was out there. Sometimes when you step out, you'll find yourself looking back inside yourself, and that's when you start to sink. But we turn our eyes back to Jesus, and he lifts us up. Again, it's all about Jesus. Who are you looking to? Are you looking to your own righteousness, or are you looking to Christ? Because if you're looking to yourself, you're going to sink. But if you look to Jesus, he'll raise you up. And you'll find yourself sinking many, many times in this life, but he will raise you up if you're looking to him. The one thing that matters in the end is faith working through love. That's the sort of thing that sets a person's soul truly free. It's the sort of thing that can cause a person to look at his brother's killer and say, I release you, I forgive you, and I want, I want the best for you. I want you to know Jesus like I know Jesus. It's the kind of faith that transforms, that makes us new. And it only happens by grace through faith. And then by a work of the Spirit molding our hearts more and more into the image of Jesus. Church, I'm pretty convinced that we're just getting started here. And that the Lord has some work he wants to do here so that we can be effective out there. So I'm going to get out of the Holy Spirit's way this morning. And I want to ask a couple of questions, and we're going to, be, we're going to do some ministry this morning. Uh, I know Pastor Richard's available. Before we jump into all that, I, I, want to, I, want to, I almost forgot. We've got to take our offering. But after, but after the service, I want you to know we're going to be available to pray for you. Um, Pastor Richard, Pastor Dwight, myself, several others, we're going to be, we're going to be here to pray for you. And we, we want to minister to you. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you feel like maybe you've never done that, we want to help you 
find Christ this morning. But if you've trusted Christ and then you find that maybe you've been striving in your flesh to complete yourself rather than trusting in the Spirit, we want to pray that you'll have release from the flesh so that you can walk freely in the Spirit. Like I mentioned earlier, we want the Spirit to, to clean out the junk so that the drain can flow, flow freely. You know what I mean? We want the Spirit to flow freely in through our lives. So we want to do some ministry. And also, of course, if you need a prayer for healing, we're going to be available for that as well.